Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Well, what would you do if you were guaranteed to not fail? What would you attempt? What would you try if you knew you would not fail? What business, what hobby, what talent would you try to, you know, work on if you knew you 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 were guaranteed to have success? Well, in the book of Acts, that's exactly how people are living. It's as if they really believe what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that they will receive power and they will be witnesses. Acts is like, here's what it looks like to actually believe Jesus. And when that happens, let me tell you, it changes the way you live. Well, last week, I started a a two-part message uh, about being a healthy church. What is a healthy church? And last last Sunday, I shared five things uh, that a healthy church is. Uh, We talked about developing. A healthy church is a developing church, diverse, spiritually hungry, spirit-driven, and mission-focused. Did you get those? Last week, there were five. Let me give them to you again. Developing diverse, spiritually hungry, spirit-driven, and mission-focused. Five things that a healthy church is. Well, today, I want to continue Acts chapter 13 and look at five things a healthy church does. So today, it's not so much what is a healthy church, but it's what does a healthy church do. So five things a healthy church does does. Let's uh, let's start right with Acts chapter 13, verse 4. It's where we left off last week. Uh, it says the two of them, and it, just to jog your memory, we're talking about Barnabas and Saul, although in this passage is when we get the transition into calling him Paul. And I know we make a big deal about that. Uh, really, Saul is like his Jewish name, and Paul is more of his Latin, Roman, Greek culture name, because um, That was more of a common name in those days. Anyway, here we go. Acts chapter 13, verse 4. The two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. You see that? We just talked about it. Spiritually hungry, spirit-driven, mission-focused. So they're sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. So here we got Paul and Barnabas. They're sent out by the church. Uh, to do a new work. And and when you see that, verse 3, right, it says they were sent by the church, but verse 4 says the Holy Spirit sent them. And and it's important to understand that, that whatever the church does, when it's under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, whatever the church does, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. There's no irony here. Nothing begins uh, without the initiation of the Holy Spirit. And so where did they go? They, 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 they went to the island of Cyprus. And let me show you this on a map so you can kind of see Paul's first missionary journey. And, and what they do is they start off here in Antioch and they make their way to the coast. And then you see the arrow, right? It goes down to the island of Cyprus. They spend some time there. They jump up kind of into modern-day Turkey, kind of what that's the area uh, that they were in. They travel around, and then they basically just turn around and come back uh, the same way, except they skip the island of Cyprus on their way, on their way back. So uh, on, this, 
On this trip, we see five things that a healthy church does. And if you've taken notes today, I encourage you to have something to write down with because uh, you're going to want to remember these five things a healthy church does. Number one, a healthy church understands the culture. A healthy church understands the culture. Look at this, verse four, right? Uh, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in, their Jew, in the Jewish synagogues, and John was with them as their helper. Now, they go to this island called Cyprus, and, and Luke doesn't give us any indication on why God sent them to Cyprus. We don't know. We, we don't know why that's where they chose to go on their first missionary trip. Um, possibly, probably, it's because Barnabas is from Cyprus. Like, this is Barnabas' home area, hometown, home island. He knows the place. He knows the culture. He knows the language. He knows the people. He knows what they're about. It's a natural first step. It's kind of like they were like, well, where are we going to go? Well, you know, we could we could go to your hometown, Barnabas, and, and start talking to the Jewish people and see what happens. And it's like, sounds good. They, they just made a decision. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week about how we make decisions and understand the will of the Lord. But it's familiar territory. It's home. For Barnabas, it's home. And I just want to encourage those of you participating with us today, uh, on, on Church Online. Listen, God has put you, for, for those of you who are local to the Hampton Roads area, God has put you in Hampton Roads for a reason. God has brought you here for a reason. And the longer you're here, the more you understand about the culture of Hampton Roads. The, the longer you're here, the more you start to understand its idols, right? It's politics, it's preferences. Listen, Hampton Roads, like we're a beach area. Whether you live in, in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Chesapeake, Portsmouth, we're beach people, man. This is a military town. You've got to understand that. And those of us like this is our home, we get that intrinsically. Our area is very transient. So many people are here for two or three years because of the Navy culture and then they move on to a new place. We've got to understand that. Our area, Hampton Roads, is politically divided. It's a very purple region, right? Like you got Virginia Beach and Chesapeake, kind of red, Norfolk and Portsmouth, kind of blue. It's a very politically divided area. And let me just kind of step on this soapbox, run down this rabbit trail real quick. I just want to, I want to challenge some of us. There's absolutely zero excuse for politics to define our relationships. Can I, can I say that and get away with it at church online this morning? There's no reason that our politics has to define our relationships. And in fact, I think when we do that, when we decide who we can be friends with based on our politics rather than the love of Christ, it's actually a sign of immaturity. So I'm, let's move on because I don't, don't want to camp out there. You, you get fussing at me and drop some things in the comments down below. Um, so anyway, we're talking about understanding the culture. It's so important when you understand the culture that you're in, then you can adjust 
the method that you present the message. Now, I'm not saying we change anything about the message of the gospel or anything, but we can adjust the method. And, and we see Paul doing this, okay? If we look at Paul's ministry, when he goes to Athens, right, Greece, the center of philosophical thinking and reasoning, um, Paul is a brilliant speaker. And he mesmerizes them with his words. And in fact, the, the Athenians, they say, we want to hear more from you. We want to hear more teaching. We want to hear more of this wisdom. We've never heard anything like it before. But then when Paul goes to Corinth, it actually, he, Paul actually says, when, when he writes his letter to Corinth, he says, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but I came with a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Why? because it was a different culture. It's a different town, a different mentality. So we're able to adjust the method that we use based on the culture around us, and we work best in cultures that we understand. And that's why, friend, listen to me, look at me right here. That's why you will always be more equipped than me to reach people in your circle. Let me say that again for the people who maybe weren't li quite listening. You will always be more equipped to reach people in your circle than I ever will. So number one, the first thing a healthy church does, not in, just as we go through this passage, a healthy church understands the culture. Number two, a healthy church looks for gospel opportunities. A healthy church looks for gospel opportunities. Acts chapter 13, verses 6 and 7. It says they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Can you imagine, okay, can you imagine if Barnabas and Saul had, had received this invitation and they were like, nah, we'll talk to him later. It's all right, nah, we're good. We'll, 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 work, our, we'll work our way around and finally, eventually, we'll get to old Surge. No, no, because they were looking for opportunities to share the gospel and, and they saw that God gave, like God put this right in their lap. Can you imagine that? And sometimes, listen, sometimes God will give us these kind of opportunities so we have to learn to be aware of them when they arise. Just just last week, if, if you were in person with us, um, I, I surprised everybody with uh, little little bunt cakes from Nothing Bunt Cake. I'm sorry if you didn't get one. I apologize. Uh, really, I do. Um, but but we, we surprised everyone thinking because we were celebrating our 10th anniversary as a church, our 10th birthday. And uh, when, when I was picking up the cakes, the girl behind the counter asked, like, what do you what are you doing with all these cakes? Like, what, what, what are you, what are you, what, are you having a party? We're not supposed to have parties. And I said, no, uh, it's for my church. Uh, we're celebrating our 10th birthday this weekend. And it's just a little something for each family to, to celebrate that. And we, it, it began a conversation where I found out this young lady had, had been attending her church back in Texas online, but she hadn't found a local community to plug into. So I just, 
spend a couple minutes while I'm waiting on my order and just engaged her and encouraged her to find that local community because, because I, I felt like she needed that uh, personal touch that, that many of you have, have voiced. Like it's difficult to have that online and we're doing the best we can, but, um, but, but it's not always easy. And so I just encouraged her and, and listen, I, she may find our church. Like I invited her to our church. I told her about our church. She may come to our church. She may not. She may find a different community to plug into. Hey, I'm okay with that as long as the kingdom is moving forward and, and God's kids are part of God's family. That's fine to me. That's great. But but I think I think it's a lesson for all of us. Like pray this prayer. Just pray this prayer. Like, God, give me eyes to see where you are working. Like that's all you got to do. That's what it means to look for gospel opportunities is to pray, God, give me the eyes to see gospel opportunity. Give me the eyes to see where you are working. Because the truth is, man, the kingdom of God is around us, swirling all around us. And Jesus promised, man, like, you will be my witnesses. So guess what? Come on. We got to be ready. We got to be ready to be his witnesses. And when you think like that, when you're actively looking for gospel opportunities, it will change your disposition and, and prepare you to share the story about Jesus. Number three, uh, five things that a healthy church does. Number three, a healthy church will meet op spiritual opposition. A healthy church meets spiritual opposition. Because listen, where there's opportunity, where there's gospel opportunity, there's going to be opposition. Acts chapter 13, verse 11. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at him and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. Whoa! Intense, Paul, right? You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Listen to me. If you, if you seek to do anything as a Christian, if you want to try to move the ball forward, if you're looking for gospel opportunities, you will be opposed. You, you just will. There, there is no advance of the gospel without opposition. There's no such thing. Something is always competing for the, for the heart, for the affection, for the mind of everyone all the time. In our world, there is no such thing as unoccupied territory. That's just the truth. Every square inch is contested ground. And so if you, if you want to do anything, anything, you're going to be opposed. And you got to be aware of that. And if you expect, like if you want to occupy new territory, you're going to be opposed. 
And that's good to, to know that, that it's normal, man, that helps us be aware of it before it comes. It, it helps us to be aware and ready to confront those powers of darkness before they ever arrive. Because the, here's the thing, like Christianity isn't some kind of magic formula, right? It's not some kind of magic formula, but it also has no problem squaring off against false gods and powers of evil. God, God can manage quite well against counterfeit gods. He has no problem squaring off in a battle against them. But for us, we got to be aware, hey, opposition is going to come. A healthy church will meet spiritual opposition. He, in this story, we see Paul uh, confront this guy, Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus is, is literally means son of salvation which is ironic because he's actually turning Sergius Paulus away from the Lord, away from salvation. And so Paul rebukes him. Paul says, listen, you need to stop distorting. You need to stop twisting. You need to stop, you need to stop what the, 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 the kind of idiosyncrasy of the word is you need to stop making crooked the straight ways of the Lord. You need to stop making, like God has, God has made a beeline for Sergius Paulus. He has made a straight path and bar Jesus is standing in the way. And, and Paul doesn't cave. Paul doesn't flinch. He doesn't stand down. He's not intimidated. He just, he, he just addresses it head on because the greatest threat, the greatest threat isn't, it's not what we think of as like demonic opposition, right? That's not the, like, like so many of us think about it, that's not, that's not how the enemy works. Most of the time, his primary strategy is to distort and to twist the, tr the to twist lies that make you believe they are truth. He's kind of like, do you remember uh, the two towers, Lord of the Rings, the two towers? And I might be showing some of my age here, so just go with me. Do you remember, there's a scene where Wormtongue is whispering in King Theoden, Theoden's uh, ear in, in the two towers, and Gandalf confronts Wormtongue, and I love this line. He, he says, be silent, keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. That is intense. He says, I have not passed through fire and death to bandy crooked words with a witless worm. <laughs> like, I love that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just look it up on YouTube. Just type in Gandalf worm tongue uh, Theoden scene, right? Or something like that. And it's it's so good. Um, but but that's like, like, here's the truth. If God has determined to save somebody, no devil in hell is going to get in his way. How God will get you through the opposition can be a bit of a mystery, okay? How God does it, we don't always know. That God will do it is absolutely certain. How God will get you through, we don't know. That he'll get you through the opposition, we can guarantee that. Number four. Fourth thing, uh, five things uh, that a healthy church does. Number four, a healthy church leaves the fruit to God. Leaves the fruit to God. Look at this, Acts chapter 13, verse 12. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. And you know what's interesting? 
about Luke here. Luke has been narrating the spread of the gospel through the book of Acts. And Luke goes out of his way to mention names and, and people and, and how this thing's growing and increasing and, and 500 here and 1,000. Like he's just dropping all of these numbers. But when we look at this missionary trip all the way from, from Antioch to, to, to the first stop, they, get to, they, they go to Cyprus and, and through the entire island, not a single person is, is, is uh, surrendering to Jesus, not a single convert until they get to Sergius. And then Luke doesn't tell us about another one the entire time they're on the island. And that's kind of strange. For Luke, that's really strange. And when Paul goes on his other missionary journeys, a lot of the time the strategy is just, hey, let's go visit the, the churches that we did on the last trip. But in no point does Paul come back to Cyprus and visit, visit this island. And he doesn't write a letter. He doesn't, he doesn't even mention Cyprus in his letters. And maybe, maybe it's because God had a straight path to Sergius. And the whole point of coming to Cyprus was Sergius Paulus. It's like God, it's kind of like God told Barnabas and Saul, I got one guy I want you to reach. I want one guy. Now, come on, if we look at their missionary trip to this point and ask the question, they only have one convert. Does that mean they're failures? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think they're failures because we don't fail in our evangelism if we faithfully present the gospel and nobody responds. That's not failure. We only fail if we don't faithfully present the gospel at all. Presenting it and not having anybody respond, that's not failure. Refusing to present it at all, now that's failure. So, so the soil is hard. So what? So what the soil is hard? Do you, do you just walk away? No. And, and Well, coronavirus makes church growth hard. It makes it impossible. No. Hard? Yes, maybe. Impossible? No. No, it's not impossible. Well, maybe we should just like, you know, just kind of focus on our, on, on just, you know, our, our community until this thing passes. Well, listen, there are 7,750 some people dying every day. There are people in your circle, they don't have nine months for coronavirus to pass before we take serious presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're going to wait around till we can see like some kind of result or something, then we're never going to we're never going to present the gospel. We're never going to be faithful. So so a healthy church, a healthy church leaves the fruit up to God. Do we abandon the field just because the soil is hard? No, no. We're faithful and with what God has called us to do, and we keep doing what God has called us to do. Number five. Number five, five things that a healthy church does. Number five, a healthy church involves people at every level. Look at this. Let me, let's jump back to verse five, Acts chapter 13. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And then look at this sentence. John was with them as their helper. That word helper right there. That word helper in, 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 the, original, in the original Greek, it means servant. It means attendance. Specifically, it refers to it refers to one who mans the oars on a lower deck. 
John Mark, that John Mark is, is the guy who's just happy to do whatever needs to be done so that Paul and Barnabas can focus their time and attention on teaching and preaching the word of God. And healthy churches, let me, let me just slow down here at the end and, and say this, healthy churches are full of people like John Mark. Full of people who, who, are, who are happy to help wherever they're needed. Do, are, there, are there toilets to be cleaned? I'm in. Changing diapers? I'm good. Checking temperatures at the door? I can do that. Set up flags outside? Okay. Host a small group? I'm, I'm in. Call a list of people? I'm good. Donate some blood? I'm your guy. <laughs> Churches are full of people like John Mark. And in fact, Churches need John Marks. Pastors need John Marks. Men and women who are called to make the church healthy. To make the church a healthier place because here's the truth. I can't do it all. As much as I would love to, as much as my Enneagram 3 would like to be efficient and, and successful and, and complete all of the projects, I cannot do it. Hope can't do it all. Pastor Hope can't do it all. Even people just, even if we expand it just to the people on our lead team or our trust, we can't, we need a church. If we want to be a healthy church, we got to all have the attitude of John Mark. Hey, I, I'm, I'm just here to help. I'm here to help. I'm here to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to see my neighbor reached reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm here. So there you go. There you go. 10 marks of a healthy church. Five things a healthy church is developing, diverse, spiritually hungry, spirit-driven, mission-focused. And five things that a healthy church does, understands culture, looks for gospel opportunities, expects opposition, leaves the fruit. <laughs> five things a healthy church does, understands culture, looks for gospel opportunities, expects opposition, leaves the fruit to God, and involves people at every level. Let me pray for you this morning, and then we're going to go into one more song. Lord, we thank you today for this opportunity to gather here, church online in this format. And I just ask God that as we look at these 10 marks of a healthy church, Lord, that we would look inside ourselves and just ask ourselves the question, where do I need to step up? Where do I need to get healthy? Where do I need to focus my attention? Where do I need to invite you, Holy Spirit, to do some ministry in my heart so that I can be healthy, so that my church can be healthy, so that we can see lost people found, found people free, and free people filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Search my heart, start with me. I wanna be healthy. So Holy Spirit, speak to me. Have your way today. Speak to us on the other side of the screen. Where do we need to get healthy so our church can be healthy? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.